Welcome to episode 10 of Racing with RK. I'm Randy Kugler. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Buckeye Karting Challenge, Ohio's Karting Championship. The next event is Sunday, September 27th at Circleville Raceway Park with practice on Saturday the 26th. For those of you that have not raced in the series, this season use promo code RACINGWITHRK and receive a $5 discount from your entry fee. It's also brought to you by Lori Veal Photography, your expert in motorsports photography. Her passion is sports, specifically motorsports, but also enjoys travel, concert, and night photography. Check Lori's website at lorivealphotography.com. That's L-O-R-I-V-I-E-H-L photography.com. And use promo code RACINGWITHRK and receive a 10% discount on orders for first-time customers. Well, tonight we have the fastest brothers in karting, Randy and Rick Folks, joining us here tonight on the Racing with RK podcast. Hey guys, thanks for coming on the show tonight. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Randy. Hey, thanks, Randy. So tonight we're going to kind of go down memory lane, and I like to do it in chronological order. And as we kind of talked last night, let's look at this as a roadmap, but we can veer off anytime you guys want, because this is about sharing memories, bench racing, and just having some fun. And, uh, and that's what we're going to do. So Randy, I'll start with you. Explain to me your memory about how you were introduced to karting. Well, we've been in karting for 50 years at least. Uh, my folks were racing in 58, 59. They had a rental track. And, you know, I was just one of the kids at the track for a long time, um, playing out back under the bleachers. And then during intermission, I would get to go and drive the go-kart around the track. And then uh, just kind of got, it just developed from there. And did you guys always live in Jacksonville, Illinois, over by Springfield? Yep, or actually always. Near, I mean, is it closer to Springfield? I guess it's closer to Springfield, isn't it, than Quincy? Yes, it's worth 30 miles um, from Springfield and then uh, about an hour, 60 okay. miles to Quincy. Okay. So, so, Rick, were you involved with the rental track at all yourself, or did it, was Randy racing by the time you came along and started, started racing? Um, yeah, he was already racing. I was, uh, 10 years younger than Randy. So I came along later in the, in the program. My earliest recollection of, of racing was they were at TNT. I was a little bitty guy. I was probably three or four. And I remember that my dad had taken the spark plug out of either his cart or Randy's cart to work on it. And when they were ready to put it back together and go back out on the track, they couldn't find the spark plug. I had taken it off the little bench and was beating it into the ground with a hammer. Why not? Yeah. And, uh, so I was told to go sit in the car. <laughs> yeah. It was all uphill from there. Yeah. So, exactly. so let's go back a second. You said he was, he had just worked on Randy's car and his car. So Reggie was racing back then. I don't think Dad was racing at that point. Um, did, did he race at one no, time? No, because he, oh, oh, absolutely. He raced through the you know late fifties and the early sixties, okay. and then you know, and then he had to get some drivers. So he had a couple of drivers, uh, Donnie Douglas and Stanley Long, were his drivers. Stanley and Long, then wow. He was, he was, and 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 going back thinking about TNT, 
I remember before TNT was built, I rode around with Gus in the convertible of his car around the track when it was just a dirt track at that point before they put any asphalt down. I just, I just remember that. So I didn't know yeah. that. So Quincy was a dirt track. Was it the road course or was it just no, a dirt oval? No, no, it was before the asphalt was put down. It, like it was graded rock, you know, when they were getting ready to oh, put I the see. asphalt down. You, when they were just you know? building the track. Okay, I got you. Yeah, exactly. And I was just riding around with Gus in his car in the back seat of the car. So. That's cool. So, so <laughs> Randy, a long time ago. Yeah, boy. When Randy, when was your first win? And where? Um, sprint racing, probably at Springfield, you know, okay. at Mid State Car Club, and then enduro racing was probably it's it's been said long, probably Blackhawk or IRP, you know, in the very early seventies. Okay. So racing the sprint would have been in the sixties, though, right? The first race at Springfield, you say, <laughs> your first win. Pro yes, yes, probably late sixties, and then. I went to Bellarmsville and got beat, and I quit sprint racing from that on. <laughs> yeah, so, I drove you. I drove you out of sprint racing, right? <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah. So. Well, so that was what 69, 69. It was sixty nine. It was my glorious, the the, the shining <laughs> moment of racing career. So, you, so, Randy, you might as well tell the story now and make me feel good, okay? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I was gonna, leaving. I'm gonna, and, let you, I'm gonna let you tell. Well, thank you. Um, I was leading the race and I just remember we were coming up on lap carts and I, heck, I've never been into a race where we had lap go carts and it was Reed Jr. And son of a gun didn't Randy Kugler pass me and, and I got second place. And yeah, that was, that was, I was the best I ever ran in a big race. I mean, when I went to Barnesville that year, I had like the Elmo championship jacket on and I thought it was pretty hot stuff. You know, and you look around the result. IKF guys, national oh, champions yeah. with jackets right. on. You know, I thought, well, I'm not as hot as I thought I was. So, and, and that was, you know, back in the day, there was 50 carts trying to make it in Reed Jr. So just to make it to the main was a big deal. And Exactly. Uh, yeah. But I, mm -hmm. you, you passed them on the high side. I went down low and did a slide job on you and then just locked it up. And rather than run over me, you had to slow down. So I appreciate that. <laughs> it was good. All good. Everything turned out well. It did. It did. So, Rick, when when was your first win? Do you remember where and when? Um, I do remember. It was in an enduro cart, and it was at Oak Hill in Texas. Wow. I, uh, yeah, I had raced for several years. I was I was terrible. I really was. <laughs> I couldn't get out of my own way. Um, but I was just kind of, you know, I went along. Um, I started in in the road racing or the enduro carts because. By that time, that's what, uh, you know, Randy and, and dad had decided that they were were going to pursue. So in order for me to go to the races at 12 years old, I, I just kind of went with them to the road races and ran in the junior class. And, um, you know, back then there were guys like Scott Overby and Bob Mackey and Frank Pisano. Those guys were, you know, established and, and doing really well and, right. and winning races and i just went out there and ran around at the back i i, I don't know if you're going to ask us our first race question but if not my I, first I race go, go ahead and tell okay us. then i'll ask that that's fine go ahead you won't. well my first race was at irp um 
prior to that, my first time in a go-kart was at Midstate, which is our local sprint track here in Springfield. Mm -hmm. And before they expanded it and everything, I, I think it was maybe, I don't know, Randy could probably tell me it was probably 15, 20 second laps on this track. I got in someone's cart. It wasn't mine, but um, they decided they were going to let me, you know, go out and and see if I could do this. And the local hotshot was out there. He was practicing as well. He was probably a couple years older than me, but I think we probably would have ran in the same class. And it seemed like for every lap I made, he made two. (laughs) And it was I just couldn't believe how everything, you know, seemed like it was going so fast and, and this guy was going that much faster. Wow. Um, so we took a break for a while and then finally a friend of our families talked my dad into letting me race because as a typical kid, I was, you know, bugging him. I wanted to race. I wanted to race. And dad always wanted me to be more on the mechanical side of it. He said, you know, drivers are drivers are a dime a dozen. You know, we need good mechanics. And, well, no 12-year-old kid wants to be a mechanic. So uh, he finally relented and let me have a cart. It was a red devil. I decided I wanted it to be blue. So I painted it with a brush and blue paint. Nice. And my first race at IRP, all the all the paint flaked off (laughs) and, (laughs) but it was blue for a while. So, uh, yeah, I had a, uh, I, my first race was at IRP and, uh, like true to form, dad always had us kind of do a lot of our own maintenance and, and prep our own carts just so we would know how to do it down the road. Well, in my first race, I forgot to put gas in the cart. So it was an hour race. I ran out of gas 20 minutes into the race. (laughs) So you had to learn a little bit about the preparation. Yes, we we were taught to learn a lot about the preparation. So your first race was at IRP. I mean, to me, as a, as somebody who came up through sprint racing and then I evolved to enduros, although I was terrible at it. But to me, that would be a heck of a learning curve with the kind of speed you would have had out there at IRP for your first race. Not when you're going as slow as I was going. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, that's it was quite easy. <laughs> but so, so Randy, your first race was probably at Quincy or, or Springfield. First sprint race was at uh, actually Louder, which is a small, little bitty track. I mean, um, about the size of your living room. And um, race there, and then we went to Midstate, which was Springfield, and that was a lot bigger. And then eventually over to TNT, right. and that was like a huge, huge track. Sure, you know it was. And that was a small version of TNT. You know, they've expanded it a couple of times at least since then. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. first enduro race was Blackhawk. I do remember okay. that. Okay. Yeah. So I just saw on Facebook, in fact, I'm going to have Terry Trader on next month. Uh, we're going to talk about Quincy. They're uh, giving that thing a facelift. That's going to be pretty awesome. That's what I hear. Yeah. They're going to, yeah, they repaved it already. Did they, did they get the paving done? That's great. That's that's going to be pretty sweet. Are they? Is it the same length, or will they lengthen it a little bit, or no? So the track's the same length. It's um, been completely repaved already. They added the polymer to, you know, to make it hold up a lot longer. Um, they put in curbing. The only thing they're waiting on doing right now are the rumble strips on the exit of the turns. Um, but the track is still the same length. Uh, Terry's just kind of waiting for it to cure before he puts carts on it, so it'll last a lot longer. That's awesome. 
that's that's probably the first asphalt that's been on there for a long time, I would imagine. Yeah, I would I, imagine. I, I don't think it's been paved in a while. But, this, you know, these doggone tracks have gotten so big now, but it's nice to see one of the older historic tracks uh, get some new life into it. That's pretty cool. So well, I do know that he uh, uh, didn't repave the front straightaway because, one, it wasn't that bad, and, two, they are talking about expansion, and that would include part of the front straightaway, so he wasn't going to spend a bunch of money on something that may get changed right away yeah, anyway. I got you. Okay. All right. So, so the crown jewel of road racing over the years has been Daytona. So, Randy, let's start with you. Tell me your first memory of Daytona, the first time you got there, what you thought, how it felt to get out on the high banks. Just what do you remember about that? I was there for the very first one. Um, I just remember, you know, me and a couple of other guys decided to go to Daytona that year. Didn't know much about it. Didn't know anything really except what we saw on TV and got there and it's like, holy smokes, this place is huge. You know, and um, it was unbelievable. You know, running up on the big banks, you you felt like Richard Petty and Kale Yarbrough. I mean, you were you were one of the big dogs then. I really I loved it. And we keep going back. Yeah, exactly. How about you, Rick? Well, I don't really. I remember the facility itself when we first drove in. Uh, you didn't go through a tunnel back then. You went across a gate in the back straightaway. But you still went in and there was this, you know, mass cathedral. We'd never been to anything like that before. And, you know, I'd never been to a NASCAR race. Um, so, you know, I'd, I'd obviously watched it on television. But to actually be in the facility, it was it was surreal. Um, we got to go out on the track and it just – you know, you spend the whole time kind of trying to focus on your driving, but you're also just in the back of your mind, you're realizing where you're at. And it was, it was quite an experience. It's hard not to look around the first few times out there, I would imagine. Oh, right. for sure. Especially, you know, you're just kind of, you know, getting stuff dialed in. You're not really going for any kind of speed. You're just, you're, you're looking around. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Picking out yeah. landmarks. Waving up in the stands just in case anybody's watching, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, so Randy, you, you know, you say you've been to Daytona every year. You've had a lot of great races, a lot of wins, a ton of wins. But if you had to pin it down to a couple, what's your what what's your greatest accomplishment at Daytona? Or or get, or share a couple of them with me. The ones that really stick out. If somebody said, Randy, wh when did you leave Daytona thinking, man, I nailed it this time. This was the best ever. What 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 happened? Well, it had to be at least 20 years ago. Um, we were in the Yamaha and coming in off the oval, because we took the oval the first lap, right. uh, the two and a half mile oval, instead of taking the infield. So, I mean, you could, you know, you could just really pass a lot of carts or get passed by a lot of carts, either or. And then coming in off the oval, myself, Keith Freeber, Bernie Ball, there's about three other guys spun. And we were all you know way behind we were 14 seconds behind and then keith and i hooked up and we ran them down and and i won that race and that was just hard to believe and we're only talking you know at that point you're making i don't know what two two thirty laps two minutes 30 40 second laps right, right. and so you only had maybe 10 12 laps to right. you know to haul them in you know it wasn't like there was 500 miles 
you know. Right. So it, that was that was a great win. Um, you know, every every time you win, you think, boy, is that the last one? Because yeah, sure. Someday it will be the last one. You know, yeah, right. this last year, this last year was a great race. I mean, there was like nine of us. Rick was Rick was my wingman. He he helped me out a lot on that last this last run. And there was there was like eight or nine of us that were in that pack. And you could be first, you could be ninth in a matter of two or three corners. And that wow. was just that was just great racing all the way through. And that's when so, it's fun too, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's 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 like big time. You know, you're you're here with the best guys, you're racing with the best guys and yep. and you're just, you know, having a great time. So so Rick, what's your greatest memory of Daytona, your biggest accomplishment? Well, um <clears throat> Probably a couple of races myself. Uh, one of them was years ago. I, I'm, I'm not as good on the history as far as remembering what years things are as you guys are. Um, I remember uh, we were running, it was the 100cc control class. It was myself, Lynn Haddock, and Todd Spouty were all running for the lead. And uh, we actually ended up pulling away from Lynn a little bit. And it was down to Todd and I. And I had a kind of a trick cart that had before it became illegal, I had a independent rear end on the cart. Each wheel had uh, its own set of bearings, and I had a brake on each rear wheel, so the cart would, would rotate better through the corner, especially on the oval. Well, I was having brake issues with one of my rear brakes, so I, one of them was just smoking, locking up. The other would, you know, slow the car down. Um, going into the International Horseshoe, I didn't get the cart slowed down enough, and I was behind Todd. I ran into the back of him, spun him out, and I went on and won the race. Uh -oh. And 20 years later, Todd and Bill still remind me of uh, that. No doubt in my mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure they one do. of the other was probably... The uh, a few years ago, the one that ended up on video, the the unlimited race win. It you know wasn't that big of a race as far as you know wheel to wheel stuff, but that was the one year when I drove the unlimited car. The year before, Randy had driven it and it ran really well as well. Yeah. Um. That year, it everything was running right, didn't have any issues. And we ended up winning the race, and the, and the cart turned some pretty pretty sp spectacular uh, lap times and, and mile per hour. But um, the the cool thing was that it you know the video turned out our our buddy um, who's no longer with us, Bill Furling, he was my mechanic. He put his GoPro on the cart, and it got recorded and got put on YouTube. And you know, eCarting News says it's the most watched video they've ever had in the history of their of their site and you know it it's it's a pretty cool deal it got a lot of traction but um i i think really in truthfulness i think randy actually went faster the year before when he was driving it than i did but it wasn't documented so it doesn't count <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> so that uh that video you were talking about i actually posted it as, as a a teaser of who's going to be on the podcast and you cannot believe the people that went Oh my gosh, I had no idea those things went that fast. And they're carters. They're people that race sprints, that race dirt mm -hmm. in vintage. And they're all looking at it going, holy cow, that is an awesome, awesome video. Uh, and we're going to talk a little more in depth about that in a second. But while we're, okay. while we're on, while we're on the, the road racing competition side of things, of wheel to wheel with somebody else, 
Randy, who's the top two? If you, I, you had to name two drivers that were the toughest out there to race against, and, and you can leave me off the list, Randy. It's okay. Just the, besides oh. <laughs> me, the top two drivers you've had to race against over the years, who would come to mind? Well, besides RK, let's see. <laughs> And, um, and, and RF who's on the call with us, I, obviously you got to include yeah, that. So there's, yeah. there's two right there. So, and I and I know so, you yeah, guys have had some pretty. Now you guys have had some pretty good races too. So I'm sure that's one of your tough ones. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's been you know so many drivers, but I've been in it so long that we've cycled through so many drivers. You know, I mean, in the beginning it was when I first started it was Mark Bismarck, and then you know later on became Rick Williams. But I'd say in the last 15 years. Um, it's been Nate Grindell. He has just been really tough to beat, and we seem to go wheel to wheel a lot of times. And so it's, it's always a good win when I when I can beat Nate. But there's a you know there's two handfuls of drivers that you're always concerned about every time at every race. Yeah. yeah. You know. So yeah, I'd say Nate, and you know I mean you just can't pinpoint one, but Understood. you know there was. Yeah. So, you know, Scotty Grenier, you could name Keith Freeber. I mean, he's been around 30 years. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. Keith's always yeah. there. So, you know, there's just a bunch of them. I, so, I was always, yeah. and I talked to Lynn about this the other day, I was always impressed at his transition because he was just a sprint racer, right? And obviously one of the best ever. But when he transitioned to Enduros, he just picked up where he left off of sprint racing. He, he was starting to win races the first time he went out. It was amazing. You know, I mean, he, he, he won a lot of Enduro races. Uh, and he was, he was he a did. Tough competitor. Yeah, for sure. Rick, who, who's been some of the toughest drivers you've been up against? Um, that's a very good question. I, I too, like Randy have been in this for a long, long time and guys that, you know, when I started out and when, and when I finally hit my stride and was, you know, was being, when I was competitive, um, you know, it was Scott Overby, it was Bob Mackey, it was the Ireland brothers. Uh, those guys were always tough to beat. We always were aiming for them. And when we, you know, could pull off a win amongst any of those guys, it was, you know, it was a big feather in your cap. And then as the years gone, have gone by, I, I can honestly say I've probably forgotten more people than I remember. Uh, Todd Spouty was always tough to beat. Um, Todd taught me a lot uh, when I raced against him, just in the way he drove and the, uh, following him. Uh, he always... I always wondered, I remember at Road America, I drove off the track like three or four times. I was faster than him. He ended up beating me in the race and following him, I kept driving off the track and, and it was because he would always hang the outside rear wheel, you know, a quarter of the way or halfway off of the edge of the pavement, you know, as he's driving down the edge of the track. Well, when you're following someone, you, you can't see the track as well as they can, obviously, because they're blocking your spine. And I end up dropping a wheel off yeah. and I, you know, I could have beat him had I not just drove like a bonehead the whole time, but I finally <laughs> ended up at the end of the race, you know, it came down to the wire. He ended up beating me. And and I, you know, I said, you know, do you not know how wide the track is or what's your issue? He goes, I said, why are you always hanging on the edge of the track? He goes, so you'll drive off the track. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, I go, well, it worked like three yeah. times in this race. Yeah. So I, I yeah. do sometimes use that if I've got somebody behind me that I kind of want to, you know, hopefully gain a, get a little ground on. Um, Todd was tough, you know, but honestly, every time I go to the track to, and, and I'm running in Randy's class, he's usually the standard. And then we oh, yeah. try to uh, 
keep up with him and, and every now and then we'll, we'll try to beat him. Yep. So you guys both know Bruce Shank, right? Yes. Yes. Great guy. I mean, just, I love Bruce. Bruce, I, when I, I had a, a very short career in B stock and I was at mid Ohio and it just made me think of this story whenever you're talking about your following Todd and running off the track. So it's early in the race and I was running okay. I was about mid pack and Bruce passes me. And my brain said, Bruce is really fast. I should follow Bruce. I might learn something. So, <laughs> so we, we go down the straightaway at mid Ohio, the long back straight and, you know, kind of bend a little to the right. Then we take the right hand 90, climb the hill to the left hand 90. As we go over the hill and I'm following Bruce and I haven't lost it. A beat, man. I mean, I'm right there, right with him the whole time, all the way down the straight through the corner. Just everything is, it, we, we're in sync. It's like synchronized carters, right? We get around the hill. The next thing I know, I've got all four wheels off in the grass. I'm barely hanging on to it. I look up, I'm still following Bruce. So he's gone <laughs> off the track and I follow him off the track. So I, I saw him a few years ago, and I see him a lot now at the different races, but I saw him a few years ago, and I told him that story. He laughed so hard. He says, I think I remember that. He came in after the race and told me about it. I go, yeah, I darn near put it in the fence because I was following you. So he's a good guy. But I, that made me think of that. That's you got to be careful. You want to you follow and learn, but sometimes, you know, it's not always the best thing. So, now, when you were following Bruce, did you learn? Did you also sit up and beat your tanks in when you were upset? <laughs> no, we, no, we called that the we called that the shank tank attack. The shank tank attack. No, I have to ask him about that one. No. Yeah, ask not, Bruce. He'll tell you. I did not learn that. I was trying to keep it out of the fence when I was in the weeds. I'll have to ask him. Uh, so, uh, go ahead, Randy. Bruce and I went to Long Beach the second year they had Long Beach. Okay. And Every practice session, he'd go out, and Bruce is a great guy. I love him. He'd hit the wall and bend the axle. So every night, every night we'd have to go to IKS and see Wally Baines, and he'd have to cut a new axle for the car. There you go. So we yeah. did that two nights, two nights in a row. You know, I just remember that. Did so, he hit the, did he a long hit the, time. Did he hit the wall in the race? I, heck, I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember. That, when I was talking when I was talking to Lynn last week, I asked him about, about some of his greatest memories, and he mentioned Long Beach. He says, without question, just the experience of racing at Long Beach with all those people with the Indy cars was just amazing. I'm sure it was for you, too. It was. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you both this question. Randy, I'll start with you. I, explain the feeling of hitting that speed, and I want to, I want to know what you guys have figured out that top speed is. But hitting that speed down the backstretch at Daytona uh, in the twin, uh, you know, that, that people say when you're going that fast, things are in slow motion. I mean, just what's the experience of going that quick at Daytona in a twin? It, it really moves. I mean, you don't realize, honestly, God, you don't realize how fast it's going. You mean, when I, I had never ever seen the go-kart go by, I'd always been in the cart. So... You know, I mean, it, you know, the pick, the fence looks like a picket fence. The lines look like dots, yeah. but it's a big, it's a big track, and you're going, and you're thinking, I just need to get slowed down by the time it gets to turn one. Right. right. So, <laughs> you know, and and that's that's the key. And the thing really, I mean, it just really accelerates when it gets about, you know, comes out of NASCAR too. It just starts really rolling then, and then it just, you know, picks up more speed and more speed. And I didn't really realize how fast the cart was until Rick got in the cart. And then you go out there and stand on the grid and you watch it go by and you think, 
Right. Things moving pretty damn fast. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. So Rick, Rick what about yeah. you? I always say it doesn't feel like it's going that fast unless somebody goes beside you and goes past you, and then you feel like you're not going fast enough. <laughs> yeah, but right. um, with that cart, we never had that issue. That thing was is and still is uh, just an absolute rocket ship. Um, you, you know, when things are going well, you you don't notice it. Um, last year, no, not last year, two years ago in the B stock. Uh, which doesn't go as fast as the unlimited because the unlimited's got twin 125 motors on it and the B stock's got twin 100 motors. Um, it started raining in NASCAR three and four, and we were not given any indication by the flagman on the back straightaway. You know, I prob he probably didn't realize it was raining because the place is so massive. Um, you know, I went into NASCAR three and, uh, was running my regular line. You know, I knew I had a pretty good lead, so I wasn't, you know, I, I mean, you're still flat all the way around there. I'm probably three and a half, four cart lengths or widths up off the bottom. Um, usually when I'm, you know, in the opening laps, I'm, I'm up closer to the wall, but I uh, was probably four cart widths from the bottom and it hit the wet track. And when I got it back under me, I was probably about two feet from the wall. And then you realized how fast you were going because exactly. you know it was it was, it was a, definitely a, a pucker moment. Um, but uh, we luckily got it back under us and and continued on. And then it started pouring another lap later, and the race was called because of rain. Yeah. But uh, yeah, as you're as you're cruising along, somebody told me in that video that you referenced, and I don't know how true this is, and it may be wrong, but somebody told me that the uh, that the Daytona USA's on the wall are like 200 to 250 feet long. Um, that's painted on the wall. Yep. And if you ever watch that video again, they, they go by in a hurry. Yeah, they I go mean, by pretty fast. It, yeah. It does go by pretty fast. And, and so I don't know how, how ac the actual length of that stencil on the wall is, but it, uh, when you, when you're in the car, things kind of slow down for you. Um, you, you, you know, acclimate to all your surroundings. And again, like Randy said, you know, you just got to know, uh, you got to get it woed down before turn one. And, and you're pretty hard on the brakes, especially when you go hustling in there. And, and it, again, on that video laps one and two into turn one, I'm, I'm still kind of taking it easy going in there. I think three and four were the only two laps I really hustled it into, into turn one. And then after that, I kind of backed off because I think we had a pretty good lead. Did, did you, did you, were you able to measure either one of you measure your top speed? Was that anybody get a gum on it or anything, or was it just kind of an estimate? Well, we have um, the Micron five on it and it gives us GPS. So, so it, it measured the, the top speed. Yeah, yeah. What was now, it? When I, and, well, and the B stockers, the first year we had it there, and that was the twin 100s, was 149. Just couldn't break Jeez. 150. Wow. And, you know, and, and, and all the other B stockers were realistically about one, you know, 138, maybe 139. Yeah. You know, it just, by the time we got on the back straightaway, especially in the B stocker, um, when we got on the back straightaway, they, we were already as fast as they were before 
you know, by the time we came out of NASCAR turn two, and then right. just, you know, we're another 13 mile an hour faster and, and things just really goes. And then I never had the 125s running really well. Always had an issue with them. Ricky had them be- running better. So he knows the speed on that. And he can tell you that. What, what did you top out? Yeah. It, well, it's a, it's, there's a little discrepancy in there. It's somewhere between 158 and 161. Oh, jeez. Oh, my gosh. So wow. I don't know exactly, um, but so we'll go with 159. How's that? 159 sure. and a half. <laughs> that, that would have probably set on pole at a goodies dash race years ago. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, getting, that's getting around pretty good. Wow. That's, that's amazing. So one of my favorite things I've been able to do in the podcast is there, all the guests I've had on, obviously you've been this for a long time and you've been around the people that are now in the hall of fame. And to me, those are the people that mold our sport. Those are the people that really deserve ongoing gratification for how they've contributed, what they've meant to the sport. And I got a few on the list tonight and I'm going to, I'm going to mention him and, and I'll, you know, I'll go, I'll start with Randy and then, then Rick and, and we'll, I just want you to share a couple memories. I'm going to start off with a tough one, okay? Because I know how how you guys are going to feel about this, but I want you to suck it up and I want you to share with me because you guys have been a karting family forever. But the first one I want to talk about is Reggie. Uh, Randy, just and that if you could somehow separate it from the fact that Reggie's your dad, let's talk about Reggie being in the Hall of Fame, what it meant to Reggie, and and what what his contributions have led him how he's gotten into the hall of fame because of what he's done. He, man, this is a tough one. Um, I know, I know it is. <laughs> hey, you know, you know, he's, he's, he's just always supported us and he helped us and he showed us what to do and he helped other people. And I mean, he's still, still here. He was over at the shop today. He stopped in him and mom did just yeah. to check on things. Yeah. And he just, he, he just never gives up. Carding is his life. He loves it. And he has just made us, Rick and I, the racers we are. Absolutely. I mean, he's taught us every. He's taught us everything. Sure. Rick? You know? Yeah. Um, I think he was inducted most, and I don't know the, you know, they don't tell you behind it. All they just tell you is that, you know, he's being inducted. Everybody show up and, and dress nice, you know, and don't, you know, don't drink too much before the ceremony. <laughs> right. Um, so uh, I think he was inducted mostly because of his innovation. I mean, he was an innovator throughout the years. In fact, years ago when I was just a kid, he and his buddy um, Ron Douglas, they came up with the underdog super wrench, which was a moto plat wrench that held, you know, held it in place while you tightened it and loosened the nut. Um, you know, he invented the, the carb adjuster that is still used today on the, uh, on the Walbur- Walbur carburetors on the Yamahas. Um, you know, over the years, all the many, many innovations that, um, you know, we've had on our carts, uh, we've had a lot of one-off innovations that, you know, weren't in the rule book, but we ran them, they, they succeeded and come the next race or the next year, uh, that, that piece was no longer legal. Um, but, uh, you know, that was, we were always, you know, and we, we kind of knew that would be coming, but we, we always, with him, we're taught to push the envelope, um, but you know, not to cheat, but you know, definitely use the, the wording in the rule book to your advantage. Sure. Um, but also, 
uh, he did the same thing for, for many others, you know, whether it was the, you know, the local guy that lived in our town, um, you know, or that raced at our local sprint track that needed help with something, you know, they could, anytime they could bring the cart over to our shop and, you know, dad would work on their cart for him and fix whatever was wrong. And he, you know, never charged him for any of that kind of stuff. Um, and you know, we, you know, we'd be at the track and, and what was kind of funny was he'd always say, you know, well, who is that guy? I've never seen that guy before in my life. And we'd be like, no, three races ago, you had his go-kart completely apart and put it back together for him. (laughs) He just forgot because he meets so many people, you know, and people come up to him and and need, you know, one of his advice, one of his help. And uh, so it was really good to see him get into the Hall of Fame. I want to I want to tell you a real quick Reggie story, and it's one of my most memorable, and and it's something that really obviously I've remembered it for all these years, but I think it was the first year of the U.S. Pro Card Series, and I was announcing Rick, and you were the race director with Glenn, and and um, Ray, uh, Randy I think had just had raced in Mid Ohio that weekend, and everybody was heading back home, and we were still racing in Newcastle, and um, so the. They got to the track and and your mom and dad came there with Randy and you came up and you said, hey, I know you're busy because this is the middle of race. I know you're busy, but there's somebody down here that wants to see you. And it was it was your mom and dad. And Mm -hmm. I remember that. That that meant a lot to me. You know, I've been uh, I've been out of WK for a while. And uh, every every time that he's at a racetrack I'm at, he makes sure he says hello. That's, that's, well, that's to add cool. to that, he knew that we were going to be on this podcast because, like, you know, I was listening to the podcast with Haddock, not, you know, the other uh, the other day. And, uh, you know, I put Reggie in the same category as Pops. Um, they both are just huge go-kart fans. I mean, Absolutely. granted, yep. yeah, Pops, Pops was a big fan of Lens and Reggie's a big fan of ours. But more than anything, they're they're just fans of the sport. They absolutely yep. live and breathe go kart racing. Yep. And Reggie still to this day, you know, I don't know too many ninety five year old people that know how to get on race monitor and actually follow it. <laughs> I and know. He, that's the one technic technological thing he has figured out because that's he's wild. such a diehard. That's wild. Well, that's awesome. I'll tell you, he's a, he's a cool guy. All right. Well, let's. Uh, Let's go on to our next one here, Randy. Let's uh, let's share a couple memories of uh, Robbie Harper. Wow, Robbie's Robbie's great. He's just been so instrumental in keeping road racing going. He's always a promoter, race director, something with with enduro racing. And if it wasn't for Robbie, this sport may not keep existing. You know, he, he's kind of pulled it through there in the last few yep. years. He has. You know? Yep. And, yep. I would agree. And, and Robbie's just, Robbie's just great. I mean, he, he never gives up. He, um, he's just, he's instrumental in enduro racing. If anybody is, it's Robbie. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Rick. I, yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Robbie has single-handedly almost, uh, kept, you know, karting or road race karting alive and you know now granted and you know i'm i'm not affiliated with any 
organization one way or the other. I'm kind of, we're affiliated with them all because we, we want to go, you know, we'll run AKRA and run Mid-Ohio, but we'll run WK and run Daytona. Um, and, and, you know, we like everybody that's involved. We get along with everyone. Um, I was talking to Gene Davis earlier tonight, but um, Robbie, for a little short time there until AKRA got their traction, uh, it, like Randy said, it was it was solely on Robbie's shoulders to keep road racing alive. Not that anybody appointed him that position. He just took it upon himself. And as a driver, um, where was I? I was racing the B-Stalker against him. I think it was at Heartland Park last year. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was quite a bit faster than him there. And you know, but I followed him for a while. And then after the, after the practice session, I, you know, I asked him, I said, you know, why are you going into this corner like that? And this, you know, this corner like that and that corner like this. And he goes, cause I'm not a very good driver. <laughs> is what he said to me. <laughs> and That's I just laughed. And then the next race, I forget where we were bowling green or some, I forget where we were. Uh, you know, I'm driving along and I'm cooking along pretty good. And I'm thinking I'm, you know, I've got this baby in the bag and Robbie goes flying by me. And I'm like, yeah, not a very good driver. My ass. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yep. So, uh, Randy, how about Rosie Howell? And sadly, Rosie's not with us anymore, but you talk about a fan of carding. There was one there for sure. He was, um, you know, a lot of good memories of Rosie. When him and Scott Jackman were teamed up in B-Stock, I ran against them. And then, boy, they were tough. And Rosie just always promoted karting. Um, saw him a lot out on the East Coast. He, he, you know, he ventured occasionally over here. I remember at Gateway, I crashed Scott Jackman and knocked the crank through his motor, basically. The name to. And Rosie wasn't very happy with me. But <laughs> by the end of the day, everything was fine. Right, you know, right, but, uh, right. Rosie was a good guy. Just miss him a lot. Miss him and yeah, Scott both a lot. For sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Rick? Well, I was too young to know Rosie like I would have liked to have known him. Like, you know, I'm sure he was a lot of fun after the races at the at the bar and stuff. Um, but at the track, Rosie, all the kids just, we all just, flocked towards him because he was like the fun uncle. I mean, there would be Rosie's golf cart and there would be 10 kids hanging yeah. off his golf cart. Yeah, they loved And him. we just yeah. loved Rosie. He was yeah. such a great guy. He was very, you know, easy to talk to. Um, if you had an issue on the track, uh, he would, you know, he'd, he'd take you under his wing and give you advice and tell you, you know, you know, try this or try that. And I always remember just what a kind soul he was. I always thought he was just such a nice guy. He, he was a lover of the sport and, and just as much a lover of the people in the sport. I mean, he just, he just loved being around him. Yeah. He was, uh, and such a great supporter of my dad when, uh, the late, late eighties, early nineties, when the move went to Charlotte, he was always there for my dad and WK. So we lost him way too soon. That's for sure. Well, the next one, Randy, I'm not going to ask you because it is you. So Rick, uh, <laughs> you know, again, I'm going to put you on the spot. But uh, it, it's safe to say that Randy Folks is legendary and, and is in the Hall of Fame because he deserves to be. Uh, just, uh, just a couple things in your mind, a couple memories about Randy that kind of sets him apart from a lot of other drivers. Yeah, I, I, Randy's in the Hall of Fame because of his um, competitive spirit, his, his track record of just, you know, winning so much. 
you know, he's right up there with Haddock, Dismore, Pruitt, um, as far as the, the top, top drivers. And, you know, I've raced wheel to wheel with all those guys I've mentioned. And, you know, they're not any better or any worse than Randy. And, and quite honestly, there's dozens and dozens of guys that we've raced with over the years that are just as good a drivers as, as Randy or I. But the one thing Randy does is he kind of like our dad, you know, he thinks about karting all the time. He thinks yeah. about ways he can make his kart back. Yeah. He, when he's not working his full-time job, he's working in the shop, you know, on, on his cart. He puts in so much more work than, and than most of the competitors. That's, that's truly our competitive advantage. We show up to the track and the cart is ready to hit the track. You know, granted we, we may make a, a lot of changes and, and usually the last ones to leave the garage area, but we're not, you know, changing bearings or, or rebuilding a clutch to start off with, you know, or, or adjusting the pedals, you know, that stuff's all been done in advance. We're working on trying to go faster. Right. And, and, you know, Randy takes that to the next level and he's just constantly, you know, spends all his time at the track, just getting faster and faster and faster where, you know, others are, are just trying to get the thing to go around the track. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's, and I would say this about about Randy too, uh, and not because you're on the call tonight, Randy, but I mean it sincerely. You're pretty darn humble, and and I think, you know, the really good champions, the top drivers, they don't have to tell you how good they are because what they do on the track speaks for itself. And you're a pretty humble person. I like that about you too. I think that's pretty cool for all your accomplishments. You don't you don't have Thank to you. tell anybody how good you are. Uh, believe me, we know. And and that's a that's a it's a good uh, good mark for an individual. Well, the next one on the list is Bill Spotty. And I know you both have had a lot of time to spend with the Spotties, and uh, let's talk a little bit about Bill. Uh, Randy, Bill, when my dad couldn't go to the races, Bill went to the races. When Todd quit racing, Bill wanted to go still race, and so he he asked my dad if it was okay if he could come and help me. And dad said, sure. You know, and so Bill became my mechanic for years and years and years. He would haul my cart for me. He would work on it for me. And he just helped me so much. I'm just so grateful for Bill. He, he's allowed me to do so many things and um, we're still close. And, yeah. and, and he's just a, he's just a great guy. I mean, you know, he just, he thinks so well, of me and and our family that he you know he um i just can't say enough about bill yeah yeah he, he's just a great person yeah well said rick well i, I too am, am close with the spouty family um you know when brett is talking to me about bill he refers to him as grandpa and not because he's his grandpa he refers to him as grandpa and because we all kind of refer to him as grandpa, or at least, yeah. you know, Brett and yeah. I, um, he's, he's just grandpa. And, yeah. uh, um, you know, I, you know, I, everything Randy said is, is true. You know, Bill, Bill helps us out a lot. TS racing, you know, he, you know, Todd in turn through Bill, you know, that whole relationship started and, you know, we're very close with them. Um, but you know, that's all well and good, but you want to hear the, the real true dirt on bill is we were at a rental cart track and I think, 
it was in Alabama. I think we were racing at Talladega and a whole group of us decided we were going to go to the rental car track because, of course, what else do you do after you've been at the go-kart races all day? Rather, you go to the rental car track. Yeah. And this particular track, um, I know they, they even sprayed water on one of the corners so the carts got a little loose, you know, just to kind of add to the to the fun of driving the rental carts. But we all get out there, and, you know, there's probably six or seven of us, and there's probably – three or four civilians that aren't that aren't right. part of the racing crowd that are mixed in with us, those poor souls. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we got there and, you know, we're all trying to race and we're, you know, it's the first time out. So we've all, we're all veterans of this. We know that you don't go out and act like a bonehead right off the bat because you're going to get kicked off and you're not going to get to race, you know, do anymore. You always right. save that for the last well, we're all out there, you know, my, you know, behaving ourselves and having good racing and stuff and keeping it clean. And there's one car out there that's just bashing everybody. I mean, he's <laughs> crashing them into the tire wall, smashing them up, smashing them around. And then, you know, so everybody always starts retaliating. And by the end, it's this huge free-for-all where carts are, you know, parts are hanging off of them and everything. And finally, they throw the red flag and they, you know, they have us all stop and they're out there and the, and the, you know, the kids that are running the place are, are mad as hell and they're yelling at us, you know, you guys don't respect the equipment. And, you know, and they're, they're screaming at us and they're like, you're all kicked off. You're all kicked off. And then they run over to Bill and they go, except for you, sir, because he was starting the whole thing. He had done all of it. And they, but because he was older, I guess they figured, well, there's no way in hell. It was this guy. So right. We'll get you, we'll get you another ride with a different group. <laughs> And I'm sure I'm sure Bill admitted to everything, right? Oh no, Bill! Bill took his free ride, and, yeah, and, watched, and we all watched right. on the fence. Yeah. So, so it was the first or second year of the battle at the brickyard, and um, and Bill and Brett and Todd all came up to help Keith, I think, with the ignite, right? And so, yep. it was like maybe might have been Thursday setup day, I believe it was. So I saw Bill, and I hadn't seen him in a long time, and went over, how you doing? Oh, great, Randy, how are you? And we're talking. And somehow we got on the subject of WKA. And he said, and it was just, just deadpan, dead serious. He goes, WKA hasn't cared about the Carter in 15 years. I said, Bill, wait a second. Now, I've only been gone 10. He goes, I know. <laughs> I said, that's Bill. That's all I, that's that's all Bill. I said. That's Bill. <laughs> He, he's not going to hold back. So, uh, but yeah, he's, uh, I, and, and it's like there was no transition, was there? When Reggie kind of got less involved, Bill just picked it up. And I noticed that going to some of the races myself. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. The last one on the list and another one we lost way too soon, Jim Russell. Well, Jim Russell kind of helped make me, I guess, if I'm anything. Uh, we were in St. Louis, and Jim asked me, I, he said, do you want to take my cart out? And I said, sure. I mean, I had, you know, some older cart, and he had a brand-new Hartman and, you know, all the nice stuff. And he says, take it out for a spin. And I ran it off the track, and I still was a little bit quicker than Jim. And he comes in, and he goes, he goes, he goes I, want you, I want you to run 135. I'll, I'll take care of you on the engines. And I said, oh, I got to get a cart. I went down and talked to Don Freeber. And he said, I got an old cart that somebody brought back. They didn't like it. And I said, I'll take that. And went over and talked to Roy Bystrom. 
He said, well, I have a clutch for you. And within about 35 minutes, I had a, a new one, 135 ride. And uh, from then on, you know, I went to Vegas with Jim. Um, we rode it, we drove out and uh, went to the, what, the World Championships or when the, when the guys from Italy were over that first the, year. It was the Sahara. It was uh, some type of a special race they did, but all the guys came over, yeah. At this, it was, we yeah. ran in the Sahara parking lot. It was like 84, maybe 85, something like that. Right. And I went there and, and you know, I just kind of hung out with Jim and Todd ran that weekend. And I think yeah. Philip ran that weekend also, you know, Todd and so I guess yeah. I kind of, yeah, I was, the, I, I got to push Todd's cart, you know, to start him and stuff like that. And uh, from then on, you know, I just, Jim had taken care of us. He'd always helped us with the comics and our IAMI stuff. And, and then he told me one time, he says, don't do anything. He says, I got a deal coming. And it was the Dunlop deal. And obviously everyone knows how great the Dunlops that were for right. years and years and years. Sure. So, yeah. you know, Jim just helped us out tremendously, Rick and I, and, um, you know, absolutely sadly missed, you know, oh, for so sure. for sure. Rick, anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I just, you know, Jim was such a nice guy. He, uh, you know, I ran in the controlled class, uh, Jay Hendon, who worked at uh, Russell Karting, he was doing my engine work. And, um, you know, I I was winning races and I was winning them fairly, fairly frequently, but again, not, not at the frequency that Randy was. Um, and when, you know, he gave Randy the Dunlop tire deal, he included me in that as well, which, you know, he didn't, he didn't have to do that. And, and, and in all honesty, most people wouldn't have done that. You know, you, the little brother's on his own, he's got to go find his own deal. But, um, you know, they took care of me on that as well. And it certainly, you know, helped again, you know, with all the help that we've received from all the different companies and all the different people that are behind these companies, has has certainly helped our success and and jim was a huge part of that with you know with the tires with the engine work and 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 you know there was several times when like randy you know he gave, just give me an engine to try here try this one this one this one might be a little faster than when you're running yeah and, and i can tell you from the standpoint of wk and karting in general one of the first people would always step up to the plate in support of whatever venture you had out there, whatever event, whatever series, whatever you're trying to get going was Jim Russell and Russell Carding. And, uh, and they, they were always there for us when we needed it. And, um, you know, that was, and Jim Jr. was the same way. I mean, he was always there to help us too. So, uh, they certainly have, uh, have been a big, I think have played a big part in carding over the years. Well, the next thing we're going to talk about is what I like to call lost cart tracks. And it's cart tracks that you raced on, that you have some memories about, but you can't race on anymore. And the first one, I know, Randy, you raced on it. I'm not sure if you did, Rick, is Talladega. We were only there for a few years. Tell us about racing at Talladega. It was extremely fast. The infield, kind, if I remember correctly, had some guardrails really close to it. It, it did. And, uh, it, and I remember, I remember somebody hit the guardrail in front of me. It was in practice, and it's like, holy Toledo! You know, I mean, yeah. you know, you know, this this is this is not good. And uh, I don't really remember the track that much because I was only there once. But it was, you know, it was a, it was a good track. I mean, you just you don't really remember some of them, but some of them you do. Did, so, you, you never raced the Talladega, did you, Rick? 
Yes, I was there the, oh, the one time we went. Well, okay. I did. Um, yeah, and I, I, I remember it being, uh, you know, it, it looked like Daytona on the oval, but everything else was just, it just wasn't, it didn't right. have the allure of Daytona. Right. Right. Um, but and, yeah, it was, it, it was, it, I, and like Randy, I, I, you know, I haven't been on road America for years. I could close my eyes and I could drive every turn of that track and it's 4.2 miles and same way with road, you know, of these other tracks, but I, for the life of me, I cannot remember uh, the infield of Talladega. Yeah. And, and we didn't, I don't think we raced in more than just a, a handful of years, maybe three or four years. And then they actually, they don't, they quit using the road course many, many years ago. Uh, okay. Yeah. So did you guys ever race at Little Talladega? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I remember we, Robbie Harper was there. I think he was promoting the race. And, you know, practice started. And, and I think we had a B-Stock Pro race there, if I remember correctly. B-Stock okay, 135. That's right. And he said, okay, practice starts. You know, we all take off. Well, we all go this way. And Buddy Wolf goes this way, oh, no. you know, the opposite way. And oh, so no. we meet him on we meet him on the back <laughs> shoot. You know, oh, and no. there's a little bitty track. <laughs> like, I mean, here's a whole a whole herd of us coming towards him. You know, so I think he realizes, hey, I went the wrong way. So he, you know, basically makes a U-turn and goes with us. Then, oh but, uh, my gosh! It? That, I think I've been there. I've been there twice. And that's a tough little track. It's a good little track. I, w- I wish we'd go back. It'd be a perfect track. For us to go to, because I don't think it would probably cost a lot of money, right? Right. You know, and 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 then you can get enough entries down there that that you can you can still race there and make a couple bucks. Mm-hmm. So I wish we could go back there. Did you ever get there, Rick? Yeah, I did. We we did run a pro race. Randy was running B stock, and so as not to, you know, so to cover more bases, I ran the one thirty five pro class, and. Uh, I, the only thing I remember about Little Talladega was there's a long straightaway uh, in the back, and then it t- curves into a, a, a left-hander. And just before the end of that long back straightaway, my right front wheel fell off, and I, I went sailing into the grass at, at, a, at a pretty high rate of speed. And uh, I didn't hit anything, but when I, got, when I finally stopped, I was so far away from the track and down a hill that I couldn't actually see the track anymore. Um, and none of the, none of the track workers saw me go off. So I, you know, I come walking back up after the race was over and all the, the look of surprise on the uh, tow truck driver when I come walking back up <laughs> yeah. was, was memorable. Where did you come from? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How about Michigan international speedway? W- went there once. Don't remember too much about it. typical Talladega, just like Talladega. Just remember the oval a little bit, and then the infield, but just don't really recollect that at all. That that track. Did you race Michigan uh, at all, uh, Rick? The last few years when they were having races up there. No, I I never have raced up there. Okay, and, and one of the one of the legendary names, and I think um, and I know you guys both raced. I'm pretty sure you did. But sadly, they're not uh, running. I don't think anything on it now is IRP. And, and Randy, you got some laps on IRP, I believe, don't you? Oh, absolutely. That's that's a great track. Uh, that's probably really, you know, after Blackhawk, then you went to IRP, and they had probably, you know, three, four races a year with Indy Kart Club. And so, 
you know, always a great event. They had the 70, 77 nationals there. I was there and uh, ran C open and, and um, we had two twin carts. I had one and Bill Novotny had one and, and I was out in the lead and broke spindle and Billy won. And, and um, that was an IKF race. I remember that. And uh, we, we had a lot of good memories of that track. That, that was a fast, fast track. It was awfully rough back there by the um, burnout area. I just do remember that. So, and Rick, did you get any races in at IRP? Oh yeah. Well, I, my, I started going to IRP before I was even racing. I was like, I said, I was just a little kid tagging along and it was, uh, you know, my friends at the track were racing Frank Pisano, Mike McMullen. And when they weren't in their carts and they weren't, you know, helping their dads work on their carts, we'd always ride skateboards and we rode the skateboards down the long grandstands that ran the length of the straightaway. We'd, you know, ride on the, on the very bottom of the grandstands there. And we built forts in the, in the back of the grandstands, <laughs> you know, right. there by the keyhole and then, you know, what, watch the races. And then, uh, you know, eventually I, I got to where I, you know, was allowed to race and through the years, you know, well, when I, I, I met the kid that ran the donut truck there outside of the concession stand, so my mom would say, well, you know, we couldn't find you. And, you know, we didn't think you'd be in this donut truck selling donuts, but, you know, I, I was doing that. And then next thing they'd look up and I was on the, on the recovery truck going out, picking up, you know, <laughs> carts. I was riding in the back of that. Um, finally got to race and we raced there a lot. Um, we had back when the Yamaha, the, you know, Spurt Olson had his ONH, uh, pro races with the Yamaha stuff. Um, we had a couple of really good races there, uh, at IRP and, you know, I was running for, uh, Lakaitis at the time. And, um, I remember one race at, at IRP, Randy and I and Kent Lakaitis were all three running for the lead and, Due to contact between Randy and Kent, I believe, or me and Randy and Kent, I'm, um, Kent got knocked off the track. So we sat up and waited for him to join back up to us. And then once he gained, you know, got back up to us, we resumed racing. And then uh, I, 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 mean, I can't tell you who ended up winning that race, but I always thought that was kind of cool that we, the both of us just sat up, waited on him, waved him to come on, and he come right. And then, wow. you know, he could have gone flying by us. But, uh, he, you know, he kind of paced with us. And then once we all were going the same speed, we all just kind of dropped the hammer and took off again. Well, and the amazing part of that story is you guys had a big enough lead you could do that. <laughs> yeah, we were running pretty good back then. Yeah, no kidding. That's a, that's a cool story. How about Watkins Glen? With their couple times on the big track, uh, even bigger than what the NASCAR guys run, mm -hmm. there was another section that went farther back. And that was a... That was a really an interesting, it was a fun track. Uh, just remember, see, I remember the guardrails. They were, I think yeah. they're blue or something like that. They were pretty close to the track. I do remember that. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't remember it a lot, but I just remember it was really a long track and we ran a lot bigger track than you see now on TV. There's another probably half a mile or three quarters of a mile we used to, we ran at that point. So. Mm -hmm. How about you, Rick? How about you, Rick? Did you yep, have I did that whole turn two, three section where the, where the S's are. Um, yeah, the guardrails are right on, right yeah. at the edge of the track. And that was always a little, little uh, concerning, but um, 
Uh, the only thing I remember about Watkins Glen, other than I really loved the track, was that was the first time I ever uh, had a double win. Because back then, you know, you usually would run one class on Saturday and one class on Sunday because there was only, you know, seven or eight, nine classes running in a day. Um, not like, you know, there is today. Right. So uh, you you ran the class for your engine and your age, and that was it. And I think I won the Saturday and the Sunday. Well, I, I did. And that was the first time I'd ever, um, you know, won the double. And that was against, you know, the Ireland's and, and Todd sure. and all those guys. So I, I was pretty happy with that weekend. Yeah, for sure. Well, the last one I got on here, and I know you both have raced it. Uh, Randy, tell us, tell us some memories about Road Atlanta. We haven't gone there in a really long time. Old Road Atlanta. You know, you see it on TV now when they've taken out really the hill there underneath uh -huh. the bridge. And my, yeah. my God, I... That was that was an experience. You know, you would think you're going to fall off the end of the earth when you went underneath that bridge. You just better turn right because the track really didn't change. It just turns to the right there at the bridge, and you head down that hill. And man, that was a that was a great track. It's still a great track. I just wish we could go back there. Yeah. Look, Rick, how yeah. about you? Yeah, loved Road Atlanta. Um, Never really. I I was involved in a, a a small crash there in turn one. Um, I was running a single, and Bob Lapke went flying by me on his duel. And to this day, I swear that he had cut me off, but probably not. I just I had just come back from rehabbing from my big wreck at Mid Ohio like six months before, which I you know put me in the hospital and stuff. But um, the uh, you know, he went by me so fast, I swear it sucked all the air out of my helmet. And it I, I'm, it probably just scared me. I slammed on the brakes and, and turned the wheel. <laughs> I, I didn't want to be there anymore. <laughs> so, but, uh, yeah, I had a little little incident in turn one. But I saw, I've seen some some really hairy crashes, you know, coming yeah. down that hill. Um, yeah. I, you know, saw my buddy Frankie uh, crash big time at the end of the, I don't know what the number is, at the end of the S's where you make the left-hander and kind of head back towards the very back. Yeah. Um, he lost yeah. his brakes and smacked the tire wall pretty hard there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a fun track, but obviously you had to, you had to respect it as well. Definitely. I, I remember Dis, Dismore broke both of his ankles, sir. Oh, one did year, he really? One year. Wow. Well, yeah. Scott Overby. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. And I remember Poncho Gonzalez flipped it down the hill on the, you know, in a twin cart, he came across that underneath that bridge and something happened and he just flipped it all the way down that hill. Oh, so that was, I mean, that was, you know, that's a long way down there. Yeah. So sure. That'll end your tennis career. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So as we start to wind this thing down, I want to, I want to talk a little bit and we touched on a little bit last night when we were talking, what sets road racing apart from the other, uh, types of karting, uh, you know, speedway dirt, uh, sprint racing. What is it about road racing that, that you guys love so much? And I know, I know there's the, the road racing community and there's a cost element there, but tell us a little bit, and, and Randy, I'll start with you. Tell us a little bit about why road racing is, is, is so much fun and is where you really need to be. It, it's a little more laid back than sprint racing. I mean, they just seem... When you go to a man cup race or any any big race, it just seems so vicious over there, you know. And road racing, hey, it's tough racing. Don't get me wrong. You get a race on the big tracks, and but it's like a, a family, you know. You can be racing against a guy 
but you know, an hour earlier or an hour later, if he needs something, you'll just give him a, a clutch, uh, you know, a break, whatever, whatever a guy needs to get it running. And everybody's like that there. Everybody wants to help everybody. Everybody wants to meet everybody. Don't get me wrong, but um, it's just a lot easier. It's really intense, but come on Friday is really intense because it's practice day and you just have, you know, maybe five or six sessions. So you got to get your ducks in a row. Come Saturday, you have a couple of quick practices, then you just wait to race. And, and, you know, you get, you get a lot of track time. You get 45, 30 to 45 minutes per race and, you know, add up all the racing and the sprints and, you know, they get maybe 10 or 15 minutes total, right. you know, when they're all right. done. Right. So, yeah. How about you, Rick? Yeah. <clears throat> for the, you know, for the longest time, well, in the beginning, as you know, Randy, um, road racing was kind of the pinnacle. It was, it was the flagship for the organization. And then, you know, the numbers through one reason or another and uh, in the sprint side got bigger and bigger and road racing kind of fell to the wayside. But, um, you know, road racing always had its allure, but for a while there, uh, within the sprint racing community, especially, uh, road racing was kind of almost like a joke. It was, you know, oh, yeah, I could lay on my back and read a book while I'm driving down the straightaway. You know, there's no real racing involved. And then a few, you know, people who actually, uh, whose opinion matters to a lot of uh, the sprint side got into some road race stuff and and started talking about how fun it was and how cool it is. And the big advantage, you know, that a sprint racer can have by going over to road racing, at least trying it, is their their intimate knowledge of a racetrack that if they aspire to move on someday to car racing, uh, they'll probably come back to and this time they'll be in a car and they'll they'll know every crack of that track when they you know when they do try to show uh, you know show what they've got in the car you know i've seen time and again these car owners or you know or teammates or whatever uh are just amazed at how good these these road racers are in a in a sports car because you know they they already know the track right. you know like it's their backyard um you know and that's that's a good selling point to to trying to get some of the sprint side to come over and at least check it out you know mm-hmm. you you get on a go-kart budget you get to check out mid ohio you know right. how cool is that yeah, um, exactly. You know, um, or, you know, in not too long, far in the past, it was, you know, Barber, Road Atlanta, Road America, yeah. you know, all these other tracks. Um, so, but again, it's the longevity of the sport is, you know, is probably because of the community. The people involved stick around with road racing for years and years and years and years. The sprint side, the turnover is pretty high. You know, yeah. you'll you'll go to a big sprint race and you go, you know, let's say you take a five year, you know, five years off, you come back and there's a whole bunch of new faces, which, yeah. you know, is good in and of itself because it, there's turnover, but there's also regeneration. Whereas in the road racing side, that's the one element that we're missing is we don't have that, you know, that younger enthusiastic group coming in and building the, the the base of the pyramid and taking it all these years and you know everybody's trying and i think it's gaining some traction because it's certainly not nearly the you know the redheaded stepchild it was in 
uh, in the past amongst the sprint community, but it's still got some growing to do before, you know, before the road racing comes back to being, you know, right. try it, check it out. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. Well, and, uh, one of you mentioned it earlier in, in this, uh, in this topic about the importance of road racing back in the day. And I, and I've told this story many times, but when WK was formed, uh, there were a lot of people, you know, my dad was one, of course, but there were a lot of people that made it happen. But two of the most important people were two race promoters, Dick Wilson and Ben Ray Griffith, because they went to my dad and they said, if you get this WK thing put together, the first races you're going to have is going to be the Barnesville Winter Nationals and the uh, VIR Winter Nationals. And so it all came together and they, they got on board in full support and there was about 500 entries at each race and WK was up and running with cash flow and sponsors and memberships and the whole ball of wax and road racing at that point paid, played such an important part with all the numbers we would get at the, not just at the nationals, but at the club races too. So, but I, one of the things I think about road racing and I don't know how you get it back is a lot of the industry left, you know, and, and you don't have a lot of those cart shops. They're all at the sprint track or the dirt track or whatever. It would be nice somehow if more of the industry got back in and started bringing new carters in. And, and I think you hit the nail on the head, Rick. That's that's the big challenge, it seems like, because it's it's a blast. There's there's people there in road racing right now. I mean, I, I guarantee you, as, as far removed as I've been over the years, I could walk through a road racing paddock right now and probably know half the people because they've been there. Yes, for, so for long, sure. You know, and, and you mm -hmm. can't say that anywhere else. There's so many new faces, but the Jim Fars and the Grenier's and Grindel's and you know, um, Gene Davis and the mid Ohio group. I mean, there's just so many and you guys, of course, I mean, it's, um, it's just a great community. And I, I, I don't, I'd like to think it's not on life support anymore. I'd like to think it's growing, it's coming back, but hopefully it's going to continue because it's a great place to be. And it's a great place to, if you're going to, if you're going to race carts, it's a great place to be racing it for sure. Well, the I one thing I can say, Oh, sorry. Um, That's fine. Go ahead. The one thing I can say is that it's, uh, the memories, you know, you've, you've been talking to us, you know, tonight about, you know, all of our memories with our races and, and, you know, things that we've experienced on track and different tracks that we like and everything. But, you know, those memories are, are there and they stay with you. But by many, 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 many more times, the memories of, of you know, just being at the races, the travel right. to and from the races. Right. The, the nights yeah. in the hotel, sure. All the you know all the stuff that went along with the with the whole vacation of going to that race. And every yeah. time you went away to a race, it was like going to a vacation. And yeah. and as you know, Randy, and we've worked together many times uh, on the sprint side. Um, to me, the people that go to the the big sprint races, it it, it feels like they're going away to go to work. Oh, you know, rather than going away to go to a vacation. Yeah. They're, they're racing all day and thrashing all night. Yeah. They work so hard. Yeah. And, and you do see that with the road racing. It's like, well, you know, let's go back and hit the pool or have a beer or have some dinner and relax and, you know, start bench racing because we're here to have fun. You know, I, I totally agree. Yeah. You're, you're exactly right. Well, we're, we're going to end, end on this one guys. And uh, Randy, I'll, I'll go to you first. But I've got a twofold question I like to end the podcast with. And the question is, what's carding meant to you and your family over the years? And what does it mean to you today? 
Oh, it's it's been totally our family sport. Our family, it's just our family for the last fifty years. It's the only thing we kind of know. We we don't really, you know, go bowling, do baseball games. We we go to go kart races. That's our form of entertainment. We've had so many great friends. I mean, we all the Hall of Famers and and a million more people that have helped us. And we've we've grown some great friendships over the years. And and they're the family. They are our family. Yeah, right. Um, my 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 friends my friends are go karters. Yeah, you know, mostly. Right. You know, that's how it is. You know, you you pick up the phone, you talk to a buddy or something. You maybe yeah. haven't seen him for for six months or a year, but boy, it's like you saw him yesterday. Exactly. And you can just talk about things. And and that's that's what karting, especially road racing, has been. And and karting in general is like that, but uh, mostly the road racing because, like you said, it's lifetime friendships, lifetime memories, and yeah. Now, now, since, you know, obviously you and I are getting up there, if um, you want, you, you, I hope so, yeah. <laughs> we keep going, That's uh, right. that, you know, it, it's, you want to pass it down and you want other people to enjoy it as much sure. as we have. Absolutely. And, and you want to help the people, you, and you know, the, the, the rookies or, or the juniors, you want to give them some advice or just, just help them along, you know, right. that this. Right. This is a great, this is a great thing. Hey, 99% of us aren't going to be racing an, an F1 car or exactly. a, a NASCAR. Exactly. Why don't we just have, really have a great time and a great life doing this? Yeah. You know, because it's not bad. It really is a lot of fun. No, very well said. <laughs> yeah. Rick, how about you? Um, <clears throat> pretty much everything Randy said. I, you know, I can't agree with it more. Um, it's been our entertainment. You know, I, you know, I was, I played a little bit more of the traditional sports growing up. Um, but you know, I kept coming back to racing, love, love the racing. Um, I, you know, kind of got into the whole race directorship through wanting to give back to karting. Um, because it's, you know, I, as, as you've observed, being a race director isn't always the most enviable position. <laughs> no, no, it's not. <laughs> but, but it still, you know, it still allows you to be involved, and it actually allows you to, to kind of steer the sport in the way that you see it, it needs to go. And I keep basing it on, on my experiences of the past. You know, I want everyone, like Randy said, I want, you know, the people that are in this sport now to enjoy it to the extent that, that we've all enjoyed it, you know, in the years past. And there's no reason why it, it couldn't, honestly, if we could get rid of social media, I think everybody would have a lot more fun um, because, you know, they just go back to their, their, you know, house and, and complain rather than just, you know, tough it out and, and continue on. But it's, it's so much fun. It's been such a great part. And, and I always kind of aspired to go up to the next level, but I you know never had the, the budget and probably not the talent to do it. But, um, you know, I, I've, I've gotten to parlay that into being involved in, in other forms of, of racing where I, you know, get to do spotter work and stuff for, for IndyCar and, and, uh, IMSA and stuff like that. So, um, you know, racing is, is not only our entertainment, it's not only our friend base, but it's really just kind of our passion. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. I, I totally agree. 
Well, guys, this has been this has been a lot of fun. I think it went really well. I uh, I I really appreciate you being on here tonight, um, and I I'm, I'm proud to call you both friends. I think uh, you know we've known each other for a long time, and I, I'd like to think uh, you know, Randy, we've I don't think we've seen the white flag yet, but we're definitely past halfway. Would you agree? <laughs> uh, the, the cross flags are out there. The cross, so, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I think yeah, the cross flags, yeah, they're definitely out there. Yeah, maybe maybe that maybe we haven't seen the two to go yet, but we've seen the cross flags, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Maybe, but, maybe maybe a hand up with five, five to go or five, so, you know. Uh, ten. But, let's go ten. Yeah, let's hope so. Yeah. At least. But but so, listen, guys, was, I it means it means a lot to have you on here tonight and share these stories and uh, and you had some good ones and I I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much for having me on today. It, it's been great. Yeah. And, uh, and Rick as well, buddy. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. I'm sure we'll see you down the road, but uh, it's been pretty awesome. I really appreciate it. You bet, buddy. It was, it, was a, it was a blast, and I look forward to seeing you at the next one. So that, that's going to wrap up our podcast uh, for today with uh, the fastest brothers in racing, Randy and Rick Folks. Uh, remember, folks, to say a prayer for the first responders, the firefighters, law enforcement, hospital workers. They're out there in this every single day. They don't have any choice. It's their job. Uh, they, they need all the help they can get. Just keep them in your thoughts and prayers. And remember, racers don't last forever, but racing memories do. It's Racing with RK. Take care, everybody. <laughs>